Hello folks, welcome to Shenanigans with Biscuits and Gravy. Uh, speaking as Biscuits, the other gentleman is... Yeah, I'm Gravy. That's right. Two peas yeah. in a pod, which is... Sounds... Yeah, I always say that. I don't know why. It just comes out. I don't I don't know why you say that. I, I don't, yeah. Since you started, I got that horrible-ass image in my head. <laughs> Every time you say it, it comes back in. Now I think you're doing it just to fuck with me. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Subconsciously, that's what I'm doing. Uh, I gotcha. I just gotcha. don't realize it until after I see it. <clears throat> Listen, let, me, let me start this off right here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I already opened Mountain Dew. I can't do that. Oh, okay. Well, I, I sorry. I just grabbed this one a few minutes ago. It's uh, it's it's uh by Sierra Nevada. Um, uh, a few I've had a few of their beers or several of their beers, many of the beers. Um, the Hop Bullet Double IPA. Um, I I do like this one. It's got a nice hoppiness to it. Cool. It's nice and cold and frothy. Not too frothy. 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 You filthy, and you know it. You disgusting. <laughs> you frothy. Yes, yes. Frosty, frothy. <laughs> yeah. The frothiness is oh, yeah. frosty. Yeah. Okay, so I have a topic for once. You do. I am really excited about it. I'm excited for you. I got to admit it. Okay, I, I'm going to go over Wu Tang. Now I'm just yeah yes yes. Now you think to yourself, well, well, well which Wu Tang? What 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 are you talking about? Um, there's actually three th uh, three Wu Tang films. Tell me, I think to myself. Oh, you, you you don't want me to tell you then? No, no. I said just don't tell me what I think to myself. You're oh, like okay. I know what you're thinking. Oh, look, man, stop selling me snake oils here. I well, want to hear you, about you Wu -Tang. know what you know what. <laughs> I, I I'm an empath, so occasionally I get it right. <laughs> just nice. You do. You do. Yeah. Um, but but Wu-Tangs, different Wu-Tangs, Wu yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, three different Wu-Tangs I'm going over. And uh, okay. this, so this will be the, this is a, a good one. I actually started this earlier this morning and, uh, you know, because I'll just, I'll listen to a couple Wu-Tang songs and I'll just like, ah, bingo. Yeah. The, the, uh, the light kind of flickered above my head and that was all I needed. Ah, before, right on. Before it burned out. Right on. Yeah. Very cool. Well, uh, I watched The Irishman. Oh, we talked about we had talked about that last time, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna watch it. And I was gonna give like my kind of opinion on the difference between this movie and Scorsese's other big ones, and just just kind of an overall glimpse of the movie. I try not to do any spoilers. Oh. Uh but it, it was really, it was amazing. Three and a half hours of fucking amazing. That's a long damn movie, but it, it was good, man. It was good. Huh. Are, so, are you talking about the recent one with uh, Robert De Niro? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not the one with, uh, who was it yet? There was one with like Christopher Walken. There was called The Irishman. There was uh, another one about Danny Green. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who was in that fucking movie, but yeah, there's been a lot of them called The Irishman. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Uh, wait, wasn't uh, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, shoot, nineteen was it the fifties? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I, I'm trying to think of like an old one, and I, I'm blanking out here. The who. I'll have to. I'll have to go back to it later. 
Okay. Not but yeah, that, but I watched that, and really, it was a. Uh, it, it it opened. I'm not gonna say it opened my eyes, but it definitely gave me a new appreciation for Martin Scorsese, or a renewed appreciation for him. I should say. And what is it about? Our okay, li- so our, the, our listeners want to know all five. Okay, so, so there's a yeah. So there's a, <laughs> a, a guy, and his name's uh, Frank, and that's uh, Robert De Niro plays him, right? And it kind of it opens with him as an old man. And it's kind of done in a flashback style. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see, like, they de-aged him for the movie, for the early scenes. They oh, did that, like like they did God. with Kurt Russell. Yes, dude. And it did not work. <laughs> oh, I hate when they do that. It did not work. And here's why it didn't work. Because Robert, you know what he looked like young. Yeah. How slim his face was and everything. You, They weren't getting that again. And it just looked very creepy. Yeah, it looked there, like he was using a Snapchat filter or some shit like that. Ooh, yeah. There, yeah. there was a movie I saw recently where they tried doing that, and it just—it was horrible. You could tell it was like really yeah. CGI. I don't remember did it, what it was. They did it with Joe Pesci too. Joe Pesci's in it. He plays this guy named Russ, and they—they uh, they become friends because uh, Frank's a union truck driver. And Russ kind of had a thing with the unions. And it's about their friendship, really, and Frank's life. You know, he started out as a simple truck driver, and then he started skimming meat. And next thing you know, you know, he's doing hits for his buddy Russ. Mm. Yeah. And uh, also in it, Ray Romano, which was I, I was crazy to see. Uh, who the hell else? Uh, Harvey Keitel. Mm. Which was awesome seeing him, and then uh, there were a bunch of other like kind of little people throughout the throughout the movie. The guy uh, Sebastian Maniscolo, a stand-up comedian, who does that thing about people coming over to visit now. Mm-hmm. He's like, "You're like, turn the lights off, turn the lights off." <laughs> uh, he's an Italian comedian, but he was in it. He played uh, Joey Gallo, crazy Joey Gallo, in that. But and it and it covers Hoffa, who's played by Al Pacino. Oh. And Frank's friendship with Jimmy Hoffa. Did uh, that leads up even to you know it, it covers Hoffa's death and all this stuff. It's very very good movie. And I tell you what, like it's slow, dude. It is a slow movie, three and a half hours. Oh. And it's purely a character. There's, you know, there's a little bit of blood, a little bit of shooting. Yeah. There really isn't any action to speak of. It is just them talking and their relationships as they go along. So it's pretty much just a matter of, like, real acting. Yeah, yeah. A- absolutely, absolutely. And De Niro, I mean, De Niro does a fantastic job in it. Really, like you feel like you can see all, all everything that's going on with this guy and everything he's been through and how he's kind of turned it in his mind and make everything okay. And Joe Pesci coming back, holy crap, dude! Ooh, how much yeah. does he curse during the movie? Rarely. Oh wow! <laughs> and and that's the thing. This is a totally different Joe Pesci. You remember him in Goodfellas? Yes. You remember him in Casino? I think like the, the record ki- of you know using the you word know, fuck. Yeah, the kind of brash, loud person. In this one, he's quiet. He's very unassuming when you see him. Hmm. It's it's a completely different Joe Pesci than, than we saw when we were younger in those movies. 
I, I'm definitely going to have to check this out. This like, really that, does sound interesting. Yeah, that's one of the things that made it crazy for me. Al Pacino playing Hoffa was friggin' awesome. Hmm. He did just a tremendous job in that. It was a, another person you could see like I, I you there you remember the one they made before with uh, Jack Nicholson. Um. Jack Nicholson, Danny DeVito. It's called Hoffa. It's actually fucking called Hoffa. I don't think I watched that. Oh, okay. Really great movie. It, it It is great. But, you know, they put prosthetics in Jack to try and make him look like Hoffa more and all this. But it, it was just really covering Hoffa's life. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, you know, you can still see Al Pacino in there. But, he lo- like, you lose it sometimes where it's like you just don't quite see him. Okay. Like, cause I remember what Hoffa looked like and stuff. I, I mean, he really played the hell out of that part, out of that character. Mm-hmm. And and when you think about, because uh, because as as I was watching it, it you kind of get like a nostalgic perspective of the story they were trying to tell. Like it was still gritty, and still grimy, and you got to see the nasty parts. But he he was almost remin it was almost like a man reminiscing about his life. Hmm. And, you know, in this, I don't know, you can, maybe that's how, uh, how Scorsese feels now. Like, this is what he's looking back on, you know, and that kind of fed into the film. Mm-hmm. But in his other ones, like Goodfellas, he's pissed he had to leave the life. Yeah. You know? Talks, you know, talking shit about the spaghetti, I gotta drive an hour and a half to get a crappy marinara sauce and bland pasta you know or ketchup on spaghetti noodles i think he calls it or something like that and then in uh in casino you see the guy actually come out and he's the only one still breathing hmm you know when when he uh yeah uh, when de niro played him and in this you know i i don't know you almost see like this broken individual hmm like what? It, looking back on, they, they try to make everything sound great, and they believe maybe what they did, but you know, it, it's the Thanos line. You know, at what cost? What yes. did it cost? Yes. You know, and that that kind of—I don't know. Me and my dad were talking about it. I was like, that just—it didn't feel like a Scorsese movie in that aspect. You know, it's almost like you were watching a film from like the 50s or something like that that you know like it's a wonderful life but with gangsters you know what i mean it kind of has that that feel to it It, it's really really amazing and so simple you know half uh, the best part of the movie is people sitting in a car talking really that is no shit like i bet you if you boiled that movie down (laughs) If you boiled it down to to most amount of scenes, it's people sitting down in a car or talking or sitting at a table talking. That's it. You know who did that really good? Um, What? Oh, how can I? uh, Shoot. How can I forget his name? The the dude from like. uh, um, Wow. I'm, I'm really screwing this up. Kevin Smith? No, oh. no. Um, although, yeah, he did. That's right. He did do a pretty good. But uh, what's his name? Who uh, did the movie, the 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 robbing with Mr. White, Mr. Pink, and everything? Um, oh, uh, Tarantino, man. Yes, yes, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, he he yeah, does that really good. Yeah, he writes conversation really well, and he's great at hiding 
plot details and shit like that in his conversation or or gradually exposing the character through like completely ridiculous you know discussions mm-hmm. you know like Jules not eating pigs well he could he could be muslim yeah you don't, you know, but that's kind of a, you know, pig's a filthy animal. Yes. That's kind of a hard, you know, most people, I think of that age, I would say, tend to be meat eaters unless they just switched or whatever. Cause that's kind of what that era grew up in, you know? Yeah. It was, it was the meat and potatoes generation, I guess you could say. I, I yeah, I, I grew up with, I, I tried it in these <laughs> days, like not eat pork at all. Like really, yeah. I really try my best. But, I'm making up for your lack of eating it. Don't okay, worry. well, well, th- then that's okay. Then I, I try to stick with uh, fish and fowl. Fish and fowl. Yeah. Yep. Fuck that. That's my f. Well, you know <laughs> you what? Stick with the fish and fowl. If you're, if you're, if you're, you're bacon. Whatever. Bacon. But yeah, you're right. Tarantino does conversational cinema. I mean, beautifully. Yes, yeah, very beautiful. It's like what? It's like Woody Allen. You know. Woody Allen, I think, does it on a different level than yeah. Tarantino does. Have you watched yeah. the, the movie Four Rooms? Oh yeah, that oh that was brilliant. Yeah, that was a great movie. I mean, there's really not any action in it, but it's just it's a brilliant. In the very last room, with the finger chopping, that yeah. was that was awesome. I mean, yeah. he he started swinging before the, the fire. Oh yeah, that thing was right right when that thing didn't go. Bam! That finger was gone, and everyone's running around and dropping and a bowl just, of ice. He's just walking off like yeah. snatches up his money and walks out the door. Oh, that was a great one. There was only one reason I wanted to watch that movie, and that was because I heard you got to see Madonna topless. Oh yeah, I I can't remember. And you don't. Yeah, yeah. You don't. I, uh, as I recall, yeah. as I remember it, because I only saw it like one or two times. But usually that's enough to print it in my head. But you know, there was so much good shit. <laughs> yeah, there, there were movie. other ones. There were other ones that were uh, this showed. Yes. 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 But that very, one red very, very much girl, so. The red Alicia Witt. She was. She starred in Dune, the original movie Dune. But she was in it. But I think she put black X's over hers because because uh, of her age or something like that. So it was something like that. Hmm. Yeah, I had a big crush on her. Uh-huh. Like disturbing. I still do, and I haven't seen her in anything in a while, so I don't know if I have a shot with her or not. You know, she might be on hard times working as a barista or something. Mm, yeah, sure. I could show her my my Dune figurine. Be like, "This is you in Dune." When is you were is like that seven. your get out of free jail card? Oh, dude! If I if I had a, a list of those, wait, is it just one or do you get a list? Um, dude, it's just one. Oh well, fuck no, that ain't it. Oh well, fine. If you, if I only get one, then definitely not. If I had a top five, yeah, she'd be in there. Oh, I. By the way, I looked it up. The Irishman. Uh, I didn't see it on Amazon Prime, but it is on Netflix. Netflix, Netflix yes. yeah, it's a Netflix movie. Yes, I'm definitely gonna check that out. Mm-hmm. But I am telling you, dude, be ready to to sit down and shit. I don't know everything because it's a wise guy style movie. You know, everything's done very subtle when they're talking. Mm-hmm. You know, every conversation has a subtle meaning. And I'm not, you know, I watch Goodfellas and those shows, but I'm, you know, I'm bad at picking up cues like that. Like, I know what they're trying to say. I'm like, how how can you react that way in that situation? <laughs> you know, like a guy tells you, you know, you're, yeah, you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to put in work. You know, we're going to have to, you have to work a little harder. And he's like, okay. 
Okay, and basically he's telling you you have to kill more people. Like, and you're just nodding. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we'll right. get it done. All right. We'll get it done. And I was just like, good God. <laughs> but it was. It was. It, it's this beautiful life story. Well, not a beautiful life story because it's, it's a, it was actually an ugly life. But it, it's so well done that you, if this despicable person, and I mean, they are, that. They are in, in, when they're portrayed like that in those movies. You end up seeing in almost a sympathetic light. Hmm. It, it's really quite amazing, and the way it goes into the the way the unions and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we're we're in with the mob. It goes over Kennedy. Oh. Oh, dude! It covers Bay of Pigs, Ooh. Kennedy. Yeah. Like when you watch this, you you will enjoy it because it covers so much American history during it that they were all tied up in. I'm gonna have to. I might have to it, watch this tonight. It is really amazing the way it covers so much. Like this guy's life spans so much shit from World War II, you know, to what the friggin' like eighties, nineties, or something like that. I, I don't recall when the fella died or if he's even still alive. They uh, didn't mention it at the end. I can't one thing, it. one thing they did do through it, which I thought was so cool that they did this, is you know how in like Goodfellas and stuff they were always mentioning, oh yeah, that's that's Tommy two times, you know, because he said thing two times, and he, they they were always mentioning people's names mm-hmm. as he like panned through a room with the camera. Well, when they did it in this one, on a lot of them, they actually put like his name, what his job was, how he was killed, and the date he was killed on. Ooh, that's like nice. one one guy they put his name up and it was like head a head of such and such union shot in the head three times in his kitchen and it gave the date underneath it like it was it was showing you like the, the world this guy was operating in was a horribly despicable dirty world hmm. you know so corrupt yeah yeah it, it 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 does those little things so well added such a punch to the movie yeah you know and I, I'm always shocked when people think of doing shit like that. Yeah. I, I'm I, like, wow, that I'm, is so cool. When it comes to like movies like that, I'm always a fan of ones that do the, the little subtle things that just really, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you miss, you know, you're not really missing the movie. But if you catch him, it throws it on a whole new level. I, I love when yeah. movies do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Not nowadays, should I say. When I was younger, I just didn't care. But uh, yeah, this guy's this guy's rise. It's just such a crazy story to go from soldier to union trucker to basically basically hitman to team running it running your own union, your own district for the Teamsters. I mean, this guy's life was was just weirdly amazing, and the happenstance that yep. kind of brought it all about. If the story they tell is true, I haven't even looked into the guy. Uh, that it's about Frank she- uh, Sheeran, but uh, yeah, I mean, if, if that's actually how it went, it's quite amazing. And like the little idiosyncrasies too that they put in, like his buddy uh, Russ, that's played by Joe Pesci, mm-hmm. he was against smoking, so he didn't let people even smoke in the car if he was in the car. So the wives, all the their two families are going on a road trip, and they have to stop all the time because the wives keep wanting to get out and have cigarettes. 
And so they plan on like these trips taking three days that should only take about one because they're constantly <laughs> stopping to have cigarette breaks. It, like, it's just very funny. Yeah. But it also has, like I said, has that very sad kind of. It's almost like a melancholy feeling during melancholy feeling during like a lot of it. Yeah, the more you talk, I'm I have to I'm gonna have to watch this tonight. One scene, I might I maybe late it. at night when everybody's sleeping, just because, especially if it's three hours and it's you know. Like... Yeah, one scene. Uh, this won't give anything away either. Uh, he's he's you know older and he's sitting there. He's holding a picture of his daughter with Jimmy Hoffa. Mm-hmm. And the nurse is taking his blood pressure, and he, she's like, "Oh, is that your daughter?" He goes, "Yeah." She goes, "Oh, who's uh, who's she next to there?" He goes, "You don't know who that is?" She goes, "No." He goes, "That's, that's Jimmy Hoffa," and you could tell she still didn't know who the hell it was. <laughs> but I'm like, how can you not recognize a picture of Jimmy Hoffa? Yeah. Every I'm I'm not even. She was. She would have been older than me, I guess, at the time this was supposed to be taking place. So how can you not know who he is? I mean, his picture was iconic. Yeah. At least I thought. Maybe it's because, you know, in New York we had unions. So mm-hmm. you, you still saw that crap. But I don't – like that part blew me. I was like, that that seems far-fetched to me. Because I, I know if I were sitting there and some some patient was holding a picture of – Someone with Jimmy Hoffa. The first question I'd ask is, "How does that person know Jimmy Hoffa?" <laughs> and I'd want to sit down and talk about it for a very long time. I would too, <laughs> because that's going to be a hell of an interesting story. I don't care how you cut it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And they uh, they also brought up how uh, Hoffa was a teetotaler. A teetotaler. He yeah, he didn't drink at all. Didn't like drinking. Also, didn't like people drinking around him. Oh. Yeah. Like they brought up all these little things. And it was just it I love how he does that in movies. Yeah. You know, he it's like Tarantino does. The details matter actually. Very, very yes. And I and I think that's why a lot of this movie, like that's I think that's part of the reason it was three and a half hours long, is because that so much of that little stuff mattered to like set this guy's life on the course that it took. Yeah. It really, you know, it, it, it shit. You probably could have added another forty-five minutes, is my guess, because there are whole years cut out, or that are summed up, you know, quickly in like ten minutes. Yeah, I could, I, I could definitely, I, I would still watch it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so good. It it's good, man. I I was skeptical. I was very very skeptical of it, but. It it really really hit hard. It it was a good flick. Mm-hmm. It's one I would buy on DVD when it comes out. Yeah. Rather rather than just streaming it, I would actually ha- want that one on DVD. It, oh, it's good. Oh man, that reminds me. Like all my DVD collections down in the garage and in a, a big cabinet. Mm-hmm. And those little books. Yeah. Yeah. Those That's are horrible. I was really... Those are horrible for your DVDs. Man. Oh, I know, I, but I still did it. <laughs> so I had, I had a thing pop up on my uh, Facebook in the memories thing. Yeah. And this was like, it had to be six years ago, where I was giving away 250 DVDs. Oh. That's what everyone was like, oh my gosh. And I was literally like, I, I divided them up into like genres, and people were coming by. I was like, here, just take these 10 if you like those. Go. And like just giving them away. 
But uh, we counted after they were gone, and I still had upwards near 500 DVDs. <laughs> because <laughs> – so my wife worked at a bar. She was a bartender there. Mm-hmm. And a couple doors down from it was a used CD and DVD place. So I would go there, and they had dollar DVDs. And, you know, you go, you drink a couple beers, you get a nice buzz going. Suddenly, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to buy Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> and I, yeah, of course I need Krull and Willow. Krull you know, Willow, yes. Great movies, you don't you hear know? about those. Like, nobody no, talks don't. about them. But boom, man. And that next thing I know, I'd have like 20 DVDs and just boom and go home. <laughs> well, I just, I did that every time I went to the fucking bar. I'm pretty sure I helped keep that place open. But yeah, that's how I just, I kept acquiring them. I realized I had a problem though, because yeah. my wife was like, "You got to get rid of these friggin' DVDs." Yeah, mine's in a uh, all my DVDs. They were in a big tough book, and I got rid of a lot, or not a big tough, but a uh, tough box. Yeah, those big old Stanley ones. Oh man, I took a lot of pride in my DVD collection. I did too, especially especially if you got like director's cuts or like hard to find ones. Like I remember, like getting my Blade Runner ultimate director's cut mm-hmm. you know and you have the three discs and one's all commentary and shit and you're like oh it's gonna be so good <laughs> <laughs> you know like i love that i had those things or the box sets of lord of the rings you know i like those things yeah but now i think i'm gonna get into collecting uh series you know and that, that's the thing that i like doing um my two prized uh, uh tv show um collections their full collections i have is cheers and mash mash is one i would want yeah and mash is, mash is one i would definitely want yeah, i and i got the whole you know the whole series and i got all of uh cheers because that was another one that i just absolutely loved yeah and i see i never was the biggest fan of cheers my my favorite character was uh, norm and it's the thing like before every, you know, everybody was loving Norm. I was like, I like this dude. He's funny, and it literally turned out I literally was just like him. You know, as, as I became an adult, it I met George sad. Went in the Chicago O'Hare Airport. Oh, really? I'm yep. jealous, man. He did you read With, his book? No, he's got a book out. I, I've got it. I don't know where I have it. I think it's downstairs, maybe. But he's got a book, and it's it's really good. Yeah, I yeah, we were we were in the Chicago airport. We were flying back from New York, and uh, walking. My mom, me, my sister, and my sister turns and goes, "Holy shit, that's Norm!" <laughs> and I I fanboyed out, so I was like, "Ah, yeah, my god!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've had a chance to meet so quite a cool. few celebrities. See, I, I haven't met that many. Really? Yeah, well, not a lot of them come to my house, and I don't go out, dude, so. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they break down in my cul-de-sac, I'm pretty shit out of luck, or I meet them at the public library. <laughs> well, for instance, um, here, like, here, here's one. Um, my uh, mother, my mother-in-law is good friends with uh, Kelly Hugh's uh, mom and dad. Who? Kelly Hugh. Who's that? Uh, H.U., that's the, the lady from the, the movie Scorpion King. 
Who's she playing? Scorpion King. The 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 princess or queen or whatever it is. The the oh Asian that kid. sorceress. Yeah. The sorceress. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's her. Man. I I went first time I saw her was like uh, it was Beautiful. her mom's birthday Beautiful. and it was a like a historical house or something that they rented uh, down in Waimanalu and it was really cool. A lot of people. And uh, it was funny because I, I was, at one point, I was sitting down with her mother and like four or five like really old women about their age and like their 60s and 70s and 80s. And I was talking about like religion and like some of the conspiracy stuff. They were actually very interested. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was weird, but it was fun. But yeah. Now, I, I, uh, I, her parents are really cool. I, 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 I like them. Um, That's cool. But, uh, yeah, I have quite a few people I've met over the years. Um, Jim Belushi. That would have been good. Yeah, yeah. Um, This has got to be like way post K911, right? uh, Yes, yes. Yes, it was. See, now he was in one of... Wait, wait, what year was that? Because this was in 98. I think it was 1998. Yeah, K911, I think had already come out then. Yeah. Let me look it up. But he was in one of the best buddy cop movies that did not get enough respect. I know we got Lethal Weapon, we got Die Hard, but Red Heat, man, him and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. That was that movie was so damn funny. When at the very beginning he's sitting there eating popcorn out of a bag, and a lady walks by, he goes, "Hey, honey," and she goes, "Go fuck yourself," and he's like, "Thank you, thank you very much. I think I will go fuck myself." <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh my god, this movie!" My dad let me watch that at a very inappropriate age, and I was like, "This movie's the greatest shit ever." <laughs> um, I, I've, I've got a chance to meet a few other folks. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm going to stay away from athletes because there's just a lot of them, but. Uh, um, Dan Aykroyd, I got a chance to have a few drinks with Good him. One. That that Good was uh, very surprising too. Um, it was just like he came and sat down. Who else? Um, musician uh, Tommy Lee. Mm-hmm. The, from the uh, from uh, Motley, Motley Crue. Yeah, I can't believe they're gonna tour again, dude. Oh my god. No, that's it, gonna yeah. be so awful to see. Oh my god. I don't want to see. I don't want to see. What was the lead singer's name? Vince Vince Neil. Yeah. Like I don't want to see his fat bloated oh, ass. He's up gained there. like a good hundred pounds. He does Dude, I he looks like was. the thing that ate Axel Rose. He it hurts. <laughs> like it hurts to listen to him nowadays. Like I was That's watching I mean. a live video and I'm just like, dude, dude, what ha- don't no more. You're retired. This <laughs> start doing some math. Cut see. it down a little bit. Like all all you're gonna see are these middle aged guys who really have no money left. And just sweating profusely. Now maybe they'll play their instruments, but I I doubt he's gonna be singing every song, bro. Uh, Some of that's gonna have to be tracked up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that, that's the, I just he is not in enough shape. Now now no. if if you talk about meatloaf, I mean he was a big boy, but he had the lung capacity. He could do it. Vince Neil? Oh, yeah. Vince Neil, no, no. See it. See, and Meatloaf, there's an artist that doesn't get enough credit either. No. That dude's got a set of friggin' pipes on him. Yes, very much so. Very that, that uh, bad out of hell CD is fucking phenomenal. Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. Yeah, that reminds me. I was conceived of that oh, song with uh I know with, with in a backseat of a car at a Bob Sear concert. 
How many times? I've said this probably, what, 20, 30 times? I'm just kidding. Every time I, we bring up meatloaf, this happens. Even if we bring up the food meatloaf, this happens. <laughs> I, I, I love it because it's just, when my dad told me I was, you know, I, I was a teenager, I'm just like, I don't know how to respond to this. I don't know. I don't know how to react. And I got older, I'm just like, yes, way to go. But I tell you, I fat my buddy uh, from the Navy. He he worked with me at the uh, at the substation there, and uh, I I found out when his birthday was, and then I was like, "Wait a minute, man!" I said, "Didn't the miracle on ice happen like nine months right before your birthday? Didn't we beat the Russians?" And that happened in Lake Placid, New York. Hmm. I said, "You're you're from around that area." He's like, yeah, and I was like, I wonder if you were conceived on the night that we won. <laughs> I say, you need to ask your mom. He goes, I'm not asking my mom that. I said, that is something you need to know. I see. That's the thing. Like me, my dad and I, you know, before he died and everything, we 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 could talk about that. Uh, hell, he 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 and I went to a strip club together one uh, when I went home on leave one time, and that was awesome. You know, it was. <laughs> <laughs> we're both in the you know, lap dance, like sitting or, or sitting right next to each other, and we both got two different, you know, girls, whatever. And he he turns his head, looks at me, and he's just like, "Yeah," you know, like we both do the high five, and it's just, you know, kind of like with a, a creepy father son. That's creepy. Bond. That's creepy. <laughs> because I can tell you, if me and my father went to a strip club, he would be giving those young women financial advice. <laughs> and, and they'd all be grouped around him, like writing down like their actual savings plan and expenditures and everything. And it'd be it'd be an amazing moment. <laughs> well, my my dad was single. He he had already been divorced at the time, so I mean he just and he he's dirty as I. He's as dirty as I am in the head. Mm -hmm. I mean I not not as dirty as I am, but he's you know he's definitely there. I, I got a lot of it from him. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt that. <laughs> I don't doubt that a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, mm, mm. <laughs> Holy moly. Okay. Um, I need to... So, uh, huh? Go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say, so, Wu-Tang! Yes, yes. Before we start that, I do I do need to uh, um, drain the Venus sausage. Well, go on. Go pee. Okay, folks. We'll, we will be, 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 be... We will be right back. Yeah. Okay, folks, we are back. I hope you enjoyed that really short Wu-Tang bit um, from the Wu-Tang Clan, the group. Wu-Tang! That's right. The RZA! Which is what my topic is about, um, Wu-Tang in general, and it covers many areas, but uh, uh, I, I, I just got a notification just a few minutes ago to uh, deploy Team Rubicon to Samoa for the... Uh, Measles outbreak. Hell no. Yeah, I deleted that real quick. Fucking <laughs> amen. Oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. It's like asking me going into a room where the patient has bed bugs. I'm like, <laughs> fuck you. I quit now. <laughs> Burn your clothes. You're going home naked. <laughs> Dude, we get them. We, 
Oh. We get them, man. It's bad sometimes. Oh, God. That's horrible. What, what do you do then? Do you, like, throw your shit away? No, we, when, if they come in and they're still alive, we have this stuff. We kind of, we scrub them down real good. You wear a, a outer gown and cover and stuff. You can even wear, like, they make these all white suits mm -hmm. that are, like, sterile suits. Yes, I've seen That those. you wear to certain parts of the OR and stuff. So you can wear one of those when you go in and do your base cleaning on the patient. And then, like, cause you scrub them down real good, and then you put this like pasty shit on them, like, like with body lice and shit. That's what you do, and then you try to keep changing the sheets to get the stuff off them. And they have a specific protocol to wash them. And then once that patient is discharged and out of that room, the room shut down until a company can come in and do a cleaning on it. Oh, wow, that's that's uh, pretty. That's pretty uh, uh, thorough. You I, have to I, be, dude, because yeah. somebody else is going to go in that room. You know. Holy gee. One of these marks on my body. Dude, one one person we had had body lice so bad when they were scrubbing the patient off, they were literally like, you could see them jumping up the uh, the suits that they were wearing. Oh, It wow. was awful, they said. Fucking Dude. awful. Oh, hell, I'd take a hose and just hose them down real quick first. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Man, that's this. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, that reminds do, do me. A, do it county jail style. Get over on that wall. Just turn around. This may, sting, right. this may sting a little. <laughs> Put them in a wheelchair and spin it really fast while you're hitting them with the water. <laughs> mm. You know, that reminds me. I uh, Before I joined the military, uh, I roommate, uh, my buddy, uh, Eric, he... Uh, mm -hmm. He worked for Terminix, and oh. he, he had oh. a job that he, he, before he went to go do this spray, he did like an estimate one house in downtown Kansas City, and uh, this was in the slums, and they had a cockroach problem, mm -hmm. and he's like, hey man, he's like, you want to go with me to one of these? I got to go do a spray. It'll take me maybe about 20, 30 minutes. You want to check this place out? And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, you know, fuck, fuck it. Why not? I got nothing to do. And he's like, um, where's some clothes you have no problem throwing away? And it didn't hit me. It did not dawn yeah. when he said that. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so I brought an extra pair, and I wore, you know, whatever that I could throw away. He's just like, yeah, hey, let's, let's go check this out. You know, let's see, let's see how bad this is. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> let, let me say, when I say let's, how bad this is, was when you sit down on their couch cockroaches and numbers come out from underneath the cushion from the sides oh. and even because it'll you slightly move the couch alone they start coming out in like in, in just tons of numbers from behind crawling up on the ceiling the food dog bowl was covered was just it covered in them there there was the the beds were just covered in cockroaches the entire house was so infested it was so gross <laughs> Like literally, there was like a there was a, like a little gas station just a couple blocks away, and I told him I was like, "Listen, before I even jump in that vehicle, I'm gonna go down there and just hose the shit out of myself." Yeah, <laughs> it was oh, it was horrible. I mean, and if you put aside the smell, just thousands and thousands and thousands of cockroaches just everywhere you can see, and that's not even what's you know in the walls, underneath the floorboards, yeah. and in the in the ceiling. You know, this is just what you see, you know, out in the open. They have no Ugh. fear, you know, and Ugh. 
I had some that would like drop on me and shit. I had some crawling up my legs and shit. I was, and these are some big ones. You know, this is down in the city in the slums. It it, it, it was disgusting. <laughs> that is gross, dude. That there is super. And this was a gross. family. Uh, this was a family. They had uh, I think one or two kids. They had one or two kids, and they had a dog. And dude, it was just I I hear horror stories from home health nurses. Hey. Where they like they won't even bring their anything inside the house. Hmm. They'll literally just walk in with scrubs and shoes. That's it. Oh wow. Yeah. Or they'll they'll bring uh they'll bring their own sheet to put down on the sofas to sit. Mm-hmm. Like dude, ugh, see, I can't do that. Uh huh. Yeah, no, no. Nasty. No, not for me. Nasty. So let's talk about Wu Tang. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, real quick, so there's three main references for Wu-Tang. One, there is the dance. All right. Two, there is the actual Chinese martial arts style. And three is the band, Wu-Tang, the Wu-Tang Clan. So I'm going to go a little bit over each. Um, I've got a lot of paperwork in front of me, and um, I'm doing my best to highlight what I'm going to talk about without going over time and not going too short. So hopefully I time this just right. Hopefully. Hopefully. We never know. Especially with me. Um, <laughs> I, I bet $5 I could turn one of these Wu-Tangs into... Uh, I could turn it around into... Uh, um, give me a topic. Give me something. I don't know. Just randomly say something, and I'll guarantee I can turn it into it. Wu-Tang. Um, tank cleaner. Tank cleaner. All right, okay. Let me write this down, because I might forget. <laughs> Hold on. Let me let me get one over my papers. Uh-huh. Let me get my, my, uh, my trusty pen here. Tank cleaner. Oh, you're going to make this a tough one. Yeah. But I think I can do it. I think I can do it. All right. Let's talk about the dance. The Wu-Tang okay. dance. Okay. Now, this this originally was a dance out of Philadelphia. And this is before spreading throughout the city and the surrounding regions. Um, okay. It's normally performed at a Baltimore club music. The dance involves a jerking of the arms in an up and down and side to side motion, the m- movement of the arms sometimes resemble flexing, and each individual person adds their own spin to the dance. But it, you know, it um, be it fancy footwork or the mimicking of gunshots. Now, there's a similar Philly dance. Um, it's called the DMAC, or you know, as in DMACK or DMAC, whatever. Um, and this, this D-Mac is, is where uh, the dancer moves his arms or legs on uh, one side of his body, often in a similar mo- uh, motion as the Wu-Tang, and then imitates the same moves on the other side of his body. The <clears throat> Wu-Tang uh, dance became uh, popular around the Philadelphia, New Jersey, Baltimore regions, and is, uh, has, has been compared with the Harlem Shake of Harlem and the, okay. the Bay Area's hi- um, hyphy dances. Also, Atlanta's crunk dances and Baltimore's rocking off dance, and Miami's um, sticking and rolling, and Compton's crumping or crip walking, 
South Miami also has their own version of the Philadelphia Wu-Tang dance, but it consists of a more rapid movements of the arms and uh, vigorous swinging of the arms and a forward motion and the um, more use of the legs. A lot of this sounds like just voluntarily seizing. Uh, yeah, I, I was kind of thinking like this. This is like a, a, a what do you call it uh, when you do that? Um, uh, what is it when you pass out and you do the whole no. Se- seizing? See, Se- yeah, seizing seizures. That's what yes. I said. Okay, oh. sounds like voluntary seizing. Okay, well, whatever. Fuck you. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and here, here's the thing with this, okay? It's called the Wu-Ting Dance, but it bears absolutely no relation to the rap group Wu-Ting Clan. It, nor uh, does it, uh, does it um, relate to the martial arts known as the Wu-Ting, um, though the name of the dance itself may have been derived from either source. It's just, there's really no definite proof of it. Um, now, the creator of this dance is originally by DJ Freak Nasty. DJ Freak Nasty. I have no information on him. I did not look him up. Yeah, that's not something you want to put into your search bar, dude. Freak Nasty. Freak dude, Nasty. Some shit. Really? Freak Nasty. Think about it. Well, I'm going to use DuckDuckGo because it's better. And, um, let's see, DJ. Wait, should I do Freak Nasty or DJ Freak Nasty? DJ Freak Nasty. Okay, let, let's let's see what happens here. Is it okay? Freak Nasty. DJ Freak Nasty and <clears throat> looking for a solid DJ? Question mark. Uh, that looks more <clears throat> like an ad. Freak Nasty in Wikipedia. Yeah, that's kind of it goes to him. Um. Uh, okay, so it's pretty much on using uh, DuckDuckGo. It more so has to do with him, and this is on the web now. If I click on images. It's, uh... I'm actually shocked. Yeah, there's really no... There's no nudity on here at all with the... You, surprise, DuckDuckGo is... You know, you put something like this in, you, you know what's going to be on there. And I do not see it at all. Oh, wait, there we go. Okay. You had to scroll down a little bit. Uh, <laughs> now it's showing up. Let, let's just close this. Well, dude, I was looking up... Think how weird my day was the other day. I typed in... I was looking up the Grand Canal, right? Oh, God. So I'm like, typed in Grand Canal... And then I'm like, what the fuck is on my computer? And I forgot the C, so I typed Grand Anal. Oh. So I had all this crazy crap popping up. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. I, I, I can see it, yeah. yeah. Your wife probably doesn't, but I can see it. <laughs> quickly threw on my glasses. And, oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay, so that's the dance. Now, it doesn't have nothing to do with the Wu-Tang, on, unless that's Wu-Tang. something that DJ Freak Nasty had derived it from. DJ Freak Nasty! Yeah. But we know he didn't. Because it said it had nothing to do with Wu-Tang, right? He, we, yeah, as, as far as that we know. He may oh. have taken it from the group, but we just don't know. Okay. So, it, it, it is, like I said, no relation. Until proven otherwise, in a court of law. <clears throat> I, I could hear, Ugh. I could hear that that sipping going down your throat. That's a that's a Mountain Dew, baby. That's good stuff. Oh, okay, hold on, let me try this one. 
Okay, all right. How'd that go? Did you hear that? Yeah, I did. Oh, nice. Good mic. All was right. It, was it was it frothy? <laughs> <laughs> it was frothy. <coughs> okay, moving on. Okay. Right. <laughs> so yeah, like I said, that, that was the Wu Tang dance. Let's move on okay. to the martial eight. Martial eight. Martial eights. Yep. I'm screwing that all up. <laughs> You're doing good. Oh yeah, and I've only begun. Um, the Wu Tang martial arts style, also known as the Wu Ding. Uh, Quan or Chan, and it's Quan as in Q U A N, or Chan as in C H U A N. Um, <clears throat> this uh, this Chinese martial arts style is generally classified into uh, two major groups. One is a Wu Dang, also known as Wu Tang. This named after the Wu Ding Mountains and Shaolin, named after the Shaolin Monastery. Now Wu Ding Quan. Quan, Quant, whatever. It translates as Wuding Fist. Whereas Shaolin, or sh, excuse me, <clears throat> we'll guess, where uh, Shaolin includes many martial arts types. Uh, Wuding Quan inclu uh, includes only a few arts that utilize focused mind to control the waist and therefore the body. This typically encompasses Tai Chi, uh, chi or Tai Chi Chuan, uh, Zongyi chi something Chinese. And then uh, Buga's something Chinese, but <laughs> doing great. But uh, it, it must also include Baji Chan and Wudang Sword. Let's just go with that. Fine. All right. Okay. <laughs> this. Oh God. <laughs> let's uh. Let's just throw that one aside. Okay. Now. This traditional art, it was created by uh, grandmasters with a careful consideration of its effectiveness in real combat, real battles, and real war, armed and unarmed. Which, you know, you know that says something when you got the masters that are saying, okay, this isn't just for defense or whatever. It's, hey, this is what we're going to use, you know, for war, combat, like the real shit. Yeah. You know, not not no fucking grappling or whatever. Like, this is true combat martial arts. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> the techniques were retrained when they, uh, or re the techniques were retained when they deserved it or ruthlessly discarded if they could not justify the efforts devoted to their practice. Arts of soldiers, weapons, experts, uh, fighters from other countries were uh, all considered analyzed and put to the ultimate acid test real combat to the death no one time but over decades okay i mean it, this is uh they they did a lot of patience and work into this just to get the you know the right style that's going to benefit them in combat you know you know versus their uh yeah it sounds like enemies. a lot of trial and error there yeah yeah and like i said before this is solely for real combat real fighting um, and a lot of what we have out there nowadays is not for that, you know, they may have Maga is a very kind of utilitarian martial art. Is it not? Mm, I don't know much about that martial arts, to be honest, mainly throat punches and nut kicks, I think, but, oh <laughs> shit, I, I, I can do that without, I'm, I'm, I'm a scrapper. I'm not quite a fighter. I'm more of a scrapper because I'm short. And that's just how gotcha. we roll, you know. 
if I have to take a dude bigger than me, you know, I'm going to go for areas that some people will say, oh, that's not fair in a fight. <laughs> no, right. there, there's no such thing as uh, fair in a fight. You know what's fair mm -hmm. is if you win. <laughs> All means. There you go. Yep. So, um, <clears throat> let's see here. Okay, so, like I said, these, um, if, if they thought it was good, they kept it. If they didn't, they just, you know, they were like, fuck this, this is a waste of our time. And this was okay. something they practiced through decades of, you know, going through multiple styles and everything. Um, so the masters, they incorporated the Tibetan Lama arts of Pachin, which is known as the eight dragon animals. The Mongol arts of Wuhuzing, which is the five cosmic elements. And they did this with their own art of Wu-Tang, Pa, Chi, Jin, Tuan, which is the eight immortals. This art became unified over the centuries and covers all areas of fighting with many specialties. These specializations include um, specialized strikes and kicks, ground grappling fighting, weapons use and defense, hand toughening, warrior meditations, joint locks and controls, throws, nerve attacks and defense, development of the senses and greater awareness, and military strategy and tactics. Damn, that's kind of all-encompassing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, this is a... I mean, they, they really, you know, they, they have a specific goal in mind, and that's what they're doing, and you could really see it with this. Um, now, real quick, I want to go with the introduction to a lot of these animal systems. And if you go back in these uh, uh, classic uh, martial arts movies, where typically English dubbed or whatever, um, you notice that they use a lot of uh, animal, you know, uh, strikes or styles or something and uh -huh. you have like maybe one style will rival another and they'll fight to see which one's better yeah uh, i'll kind of go over that and the i'll kind of go over that a little bit later i had the correlation between that and the you know the um poor um, neighborhoods like you know inner cities and everything how that kind of really correlates with the uh, martial arts movies um <clears throat> The key to developing these enormous leth uh, lethality by fighting like a tiger, uh, a snake, leopard, praying mantis, etc. It basically lies in their special systems of power uh, development. Now through these, a fighter receives special techniques of breathing control, meditation and mind development practices. And this is to control the mind and spirit of assailant and a deep long term commitment to a toughening system that develops weapons of terrifying effectiveness and overwhelming power. Um, this is far beyond that of a normal man and far beyond that of other martial arts. These systems are built to fit the specific art that produced them over the centuries. And each are totally different in appearance, practice, results, and use in combat from any other Wu-Tang animal system technique. Hmm. Um, now, toughening in Wu-Tang... Uh, basically, when studied alongside with its appropriate animal, it takes as much as nine years to advance in. And this is just for each particular animal style. Nine years. Each style yeah. takes nine years? Yes. Holy shit. Uh, now, there's many types of herb medicine. Striking, kicking, pulling, gouging, tearing machines were designed to perfect one special weapon that no other training could. Hundreds of years of knowledge is basically telescoped into this design. A knowledge of vital points of points and organ function is also explored with depth, rivaling, uh, or explored with depth, rivaling some medical schools. So, 
these guys really do learn a lot other than just the fighting. Because yeah. it really incorporates, you know, so much of their, you know, this style into your typical daily. I mean, you, you got medicine, you know, you learn about the anatomy of a body. Um, you learn about, you know, plants and stuff. Like I said, herbals, um, mind uh, um, focusing and, and whatever you call it with meditation. I mean, mm-hmm. you really encompass a whole lot. It's, I mean, you're, you're pretty much going to school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's this is it just fascinates me so much about this. That's I'm, pretty cool. I'm surprised I haven't gone over this topic earlier because, you know, I, I've always loved this and I, I've always loved the especially the old fiction, the the old you know, um, the old school martial arts movies. You know, those those always mm-hmm. been a fan of mine. Oh yeah. <clears throat> okay, here Bruce Lee movies are the best. I'm sorry, and if you want to get that, like I love Jackie Chan's Drunken Master. Yeah. That's probably one of the greatest movies. I absolutely love that friggin' movie. And the thing is, like, a lot of these are, like, around there, those two guys' early times, or even mm-hmm. before. Yeah, these are the ones where they don't speak English and they got the English yeah. dub. Yeah. Or, or, like I do, is sometimes, like, I'll just let them speak the normal language and I'll read the subtitles. Well, Drunken Master's English dubbed. It's 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 not in English. That's one of the old ones when he was yeah, actually that's like one old young. Ones. That's right. That's right. It is. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. It's let's like, uh, like Eagle's Claw or some other shit. I'm gonna go over really quickly some of the animal substyles. Um, I actually okay. had a lot like to originally as far as each particular substyle, as far as what each one generalized what it is, and I figure it might be too much to uh, to discuss. It might take too long for the podcast, and I don't really want to go over that and a half. <laughs> okay. Now, first you have once um, you have a style called the Imperial Snake Kung Fu, and there's different uh, um, styles of this. You have the Python, you have the Cobra, you have the Adder, the Viper, and the Asp. Okay. Then you have uh, other kind, other other different kind of substyles like. The ghost bat, which is like a, a running type of combat. Then you have the spider, um, which incorporates black widow and tarantula. You also have the centipede, millipede, and caterpillar. This, these are more of a, a ground fighting techniques. Um, the next style you have is like a turtle, tortoise, and terrapin ground, and this is more of a, knee, a kneeling fighting. Okay. Which is kind of crazy because, you know, you really don't expect someone to do kneeling fight, you know. But apparently it's, it's, uh, they felt it was worthy. <clears throat> but, uh. I wonder how that, w- I don't, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think about that. I, that seems more like a, like a jujitsu thing, like, you know, going to the back and being down on the ground kind of thing. Possibly. I don't know. I really don't know. Like I said, the, the specifics of each particular one, I, I just kind of cut out. Yeah, it's, okay, that's cool. That's cool. Probably a little bit too much, but yeah. Um, the next category, Venomous Frog Style. Venomous Frog, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It, it sounds that, like you're just making shit up oh, now. Oh, no, no, no. There's actually, and I, I think now that I think about it, I really probably should have uh, kept it and talked about each one in particular. Because it really wasn't too long. But the already... angry llama. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that one? No, I don't think so. Um, 
more of a modern one. Um, The next one is the Poison Toad style. So you have the Venomous Frog style. Then you have the Poison Toad style. Venomous Frog and Poison Toad. Yes. It's uh, kind of interesting. I, I, I... Well, I'm just kind of, it's, it seems, what's the difference there? You know, may, maybe I can actually bring up the, um, let's go to my history here. Because I'm curious now. You're curious? Yeah. I want to know the difference between uh, Venomous Frog and Poisonous Toad. Okay. Let's see here. Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang. No, no, not that one. Let's do a little more Wu-Tang. Um, 13 free hat. No, no, not that um, dang, I just may have to, uh, oh, here we go. All right, let, let, let's see here. Imperial, Wu-Tang, and Panther. Wait, no, I'm too far. Leopard, no, no, praying. Wait, which way? The toads and the frogs. Okay, asp. Yeah, toads and frogs. Did I already go over... Oh, shit. Um, okay, now, yeah, I have I have to scroll through here now and find frog. Oh. Let me let me do a, uh, a find. Okay, this this will be better. All right, there's only one. Fuck. Okay. Oh. Oh. Uh, so the the venomous frog and poisonous toad, and of the other ones I mentioned, still follow under the imperial snake kung fu. So okay. multiple styles fall underneath it. Um, you also have to add to it the lizard style of wall walking and hanging and climbing. This <laughs> particular one, it just it fascinates me because you know who cares about you know whatever about fighting. I want to learn about wall walking, hanging and climbing. <laughs> hanging and climbing and <laughs> wall walking. <laughs> that's weird. It's just fascinating to me, you know. Hey, a couple strikes, learn. No, no, I want to know how to walk on a wall. Damn right. Yeah. <laughs> Dancing on the ceiling, baby. <laughs> and then you, uh, the last one of, um, <clears throat> the last one of the Imperial Snake Kung Fu style is uh, Salamander style. It's of uh, a strengthening. Hmm. I don't know exactly what salamanders I, aren't exactly strong. Yeah, yeah I, I and, and I'm very aware of that. And it doesn't. This particular one doesn't give me much information on it. I'm, I'm I am looking though. <laughs> <laughs> Holy sh! Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, the next major style, or the second one, would be the wild boar. Wild boar style. Yes. Now, and this one only has um, one. Oh, wait. No, no, yeah, it only has one subcategory. This is the golden rat style, which is basically a running and leaping style of combat. Okay. There's, there's a lot of running and jumping. And, and, and that sounds styles. more like a Taekwondo style or something like that. I don't know. Maybe Taekwondo kind of got it from it. Who knows? That's true. I mean, you're, true. you're talking about styles that are old. They come back around the 1600s. Mm-hmm. So it's... um, I 
think one of these actually has a year. Did, did I completely miss that? Um, you know, I might have. I'll have to look in there a minute. Anyways, um, the next major style is the Praying Mantis. Um, this one has no substyles. It's just as is the Praying Mantis. You know, it's... it's uh, Kind of arms up. Yeah. Or is it after sex you have to kill your mate? That probably that, and it's that's probably more of a, a female style than anything, because that's just yeah, praying mantis. <laughs> that's what they do, you know. That's <laughs> that's what real a women do. Style. <laughs> <laughs> that's what real women do these days, except they do it slower, not quite as fast and quick, not merciless. <laughs> yeah. They don't give us a really, you know, mercy and do it quick. They take it over a long period of time. Yeah, yeah, that's always nice of them. They bleed you dry. And it kind of like torture, you know. <laughs> oh, good lord! I'm I'm probably gonna get yelled at at some point. Anyways, um, the next uh, major <laughs> style is the leopard. Um, one of the substyles is the golden leopard, and this is basically a specialization of a certain regular leopard skill with a partner. I. Don't have anything else to add to that. What? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's let me open this back up. Let me see if uh, one of these has the leopard. Oh, here we go. Um, it's a king of ground fighting and exploiting all types of terrain. Um, the footwork is considered the fastest of other um, martial arts. Kicking is pretty much a specialty. Um, it kicks are usually often and faster than you know most other types, such as the crane, for instance. This 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 style can be fought in water, muddy fields, ice, or snow. So that's actually really good with combat wise. You're talking in areas where you cannot move fast. So I totally dig that. Yeah. Um, next uh, subcategory for leopard is called the dog style. And this is a ground fighting, kind of a street fighting or brawling styles that, that grew popular in the cities such as Canton and Shanghai. Um, the dog fighters were ferocious and had an evil reputation. It's, it's kind of what more that I do. I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm a scrapper. <laughs> you know, if there's a chair, yeah. I'm using the chair. Sorry, buddy. There's no rules. The only rule right. is win. <laughs> I will hit you in the head with a fucking rock if there's one near me. But that's the thing. When it comes to fighting, and you know, there's always people debate like, "Oh, you can't hit the nuts, man. It's not fair." My, I'm sorry. Bullshit. Man. I'm sorry. My goal is to win. You know, my my job is I'm gonna win. I'm gonna put you down. The, I'm gonna be the first one to put you down. You know, right. if I got if I get knocked down, I'm gonna keep getting back up until you're down, until you're down for the count. And that gives me time to get away. You know what I mean? Because that's what mm -hmm. you want to do. You want to you want to immobilize them, you know, and for an extensive period of time of more than thirty seconds, to give you enough time to, you know, get away. Not necessarily run, but just to you know get to get away from the situation because it could be worse. Yeah. You know, it's it's take advantage of that win, and roll with it. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> Let's see what that was, Leopard. And the next major style is the Crane. And one of the sub-styles is Blue Heron. It's a very specialized and odd type kick. Uh, kicks, do I? Let's see if I have Crane on here. Um, 
Let's see, those are the snake ones. We have leopard. Oh, there we go. A beautiful, smooth, and deceptive without trying to be a crane beak from an average crane fighters can break a brick easily. He is the specialist in the kicking. He frequently has dozens or even a hundred kicks he does well. Wow, that's 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 impressive. Dozens to a hundred kicks. Different kinds that he does that he does well. It, it, yeah, and that's the thing. Let's, you, know, you think of just that statement alone. Nine years of having to perfect. That makes yeah, sense, you know. Mm. Imagine all these different ones. You you know how many years? It's, it's gonna pretty much take your whole life to perfect them. And by the right? time, yeah, by the time you're done, you're you're a master. You can teach. You know, yeah. you're not really gonna be fighting at that point. You're gonna just be teaching. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so let's see. The, the next subcategory of the crane is the green heron. The previous one was the blue. This one's the green. And it's an art where only legs are used, never the arms. Then you have the black crane. It's a, a, a big sub-style. It's kind of a combination of the crane and snake with a little bit of mantis and a smattering of the boar. Um they're typically black crane fighters were ferocious and they had of a, a pretty evil reputation. Mm. Um, let's see. The next major category is the panther. And it only has one substyle. It's called the wolf. It's an art-like dog, deadly with fearsome reputation. It's a northern Shanghai street style of fighting. A lot of this seems to come from around Shanghai. Yes, like I said, this is originally it's in China. Yeah, but I mean, I, I would think they pull more from like different, I don't know, maybe different styles from different areas, but it seems like they're just kind of, okay, that's cool. Well, I, mean, I, I was thinking it'd be a little more diversified the way you had kind of mentioned it, you know, I thought yeah. I thought I would see a whole bunch of different stuff. But. Well, I mean, no, in China you have, I mean, China's older than a lot of countries that are surrounding it. And you think of Korea, Vietnam, Cambodia, Japan, you know, the, mm -hmm. China has been there a lot longer, you know, a lot. They're vast and they have extensive history that just goes thousands of years. Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean, you really think about it, you know, you, you can really see how as large the populace and how big that country is, how many different numbers of styles there are out there. Oh, no, I can imagine that, but, you know, it just seems like everything's happening around Shanghai. It just makes me wonder if, like, is that just because that was the large city then? So people pooled to that area, so there were different styles all in that area? You know, I mean, that that's why that's where my thinking was. It, You know, it, I mean, there's a possibility. I would kind of consider that a lot of these styles came farther elsewhere, and it's just that mm -hmm. Shanghai itself is such a major hub in the country that, you know, you're going to see them populate to that area. Because you yeah, know, that's in a major, like, in a, wow. yeah, in a major city like that, even hundreds of years ago, you know, you know, that's where you're going to go to learn or, you know, you're, you're going to make something of yourself because that's the key place to go. Shanghai. Yeah. Or Shang. Yeah, whatever. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that uh, the wolf, like I said, it's um, deadly, fierce reputation, northern street fighting style, and it's of the panther group. The next major group is the eagle, and it has two subs. One is the hawk. It's an eagle style for short and fast people, which uses more kicks than an eagle. <laughs> That's for people like us. You know, we're short. <clears throat> That's right. And then the next sub style for the eagle is the falcon. This style contains elements of a leopard and an eagle. 
Um, doesn't specify. I, I could probably go on this website, but who, who cares? I'm going to close this out. Um, now the, let's see, yeah, the last major style of uh, the Wu-Tang or Wu-Kang or Wu-Chang, Wu Kang. Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang. <laughs> Anyways, it's the Tiger. Um, this one has four subcategories, the first one being White Tiger. And this is a, this is more so for one-armed men. <laughs> So what? Yeah, I mean, so you think think about this. You know, if you're you've been to war, okay, and you lose an arm in battle, th this will this is perfect for learning how to fight with one arm. You know, mm -hmm. you're an amputee. That's this. It's uh, God, yeah. This, and now this. you have a one armed fighting style. Now this next sub <laughs> this next subtitle is perfect for you. It's called the Black Tiger. It's okay. for it's for smaller men. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a littler guy. Yeah. And the third subcategory for tiger is called the bull. It's a specialized style often used by the military. Um. And if you think about when it, China, Korea, Japan, every you know a lot of those those Asian uh, countries, more like the Eastern Asian, Central Asian, martial arts was heavy in the military. Mm -hmm. You know, so much to where it required, depending on the, you know, depending what period it is and, you know, who or whatever. But um, let us move on to the last subcategory of tiger. It is called the bear. It is a powerful style with tiger wrestling form. It's basically your, it's the wrestling more the grappling type for uh, mar uh, of the tiger subcategories. Like Mongolian style wrestling, something like that. Yeah, probably something like that. Very cool. Um, let's see here. Now, as Wu-Tang, I'm trying to get, and I, I believe it started around the 16, it started around the 1600s and lasted up until the 1900s to a particular point. Um, I didn't really highlight because there's a lot of different things on here that I did not want to delve into too much. Mm-hmm. However, however, you know, I, I could probably go a little bit talking a little bit more about tank cleaner than I could about the, <laughs> you know, I mean, <coughs> tank cleaner. yeah, it's going to be so good. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a subject that I could probably go a little more into than depth in this uh, Wu-Tang, you know, fighting style. <laughs> I added it. You owe me five bucks. I did it. Uh, tank cleaner. Right. Yep, I got it. That's tank right. Cleaner. I'm good. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, folks, we have gone over the Wu Tang dance. We have gone over the Wu Tang martial arts style. Now, this is the third major one. This is the Wu Tang Clan, the music group. Music. And it is an amazing music group from the 90s. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, several of their songs. Um, so this this group and, and there's the thing Wu Tang Clan has a lot to do with the martial arts and the Wu Tang martial arts and the Shaolin martial arts. Um, where's my other paper? Oh, there it is. Okay, I still got how much time do I have? Twenty minutes. I don't know. Twenty minutes. Okay, I can do this. All right. All right. So the Wu Tang Clan is an American hip hop group formed in New York City 
uh, more so in Staten Island around 1992. Um, it's considered one, it, or regarded as one of the most influential hip hop groups of all time. Their 93 uh, dead out al- or uh, um, their 93 album Enter the Wu Tang, in parentheses 36 Chambers, is considered one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time. This was their very first album overall. Um, now, if you want to check mm-hmm. out their, uh, if you want to check out, they have a website and it's uh, uh, Clan dot com. <clears throat> Who'd have thought? Yeah, man. <laughs> Okay, um, they've got a plethora of, of uh, um, members. Um, for instance, uh, Arza, which is RZA, he is pretty much like the head guy of the entire Wu Tang Clan. Yeah, RZA. Yeah, RZA. Then you have Giza, which is GZA. You have Inspector Dick. You have You God, Ghostface Killer, Method Man, um, Ray Kwan, Master Killer, Capadonna, Old Dirty Bastard, rest his soul. Um, Sean Combs, Mace, and Joe Budden. Let's see here. Um, and this group is still active. Yeah. Not as active as they used to be, but yes, they are active. Um, <clears throat> this hip-hop group, they, they like uh, their ethos has like a big, a big blend of like a, uh, Eastern philosophy picked up from uh, Kung Fu movies. Um, mm-hmm. Now, if, if uh, Wu-Tang Clan, the biggest hit they had around 1993 of that album was Protect Your Neck. That was probably the most influential and most popular song from that album. Although, most all of them were pretty badass. And um, Raza, he invented, he, uh, he mentioned that he had reinvented the way hip-hop was structured. Um, like, basically, you have a group signed to a label, yet... The image structure of the deal was like anyone else's. You could still negotiate with any label wanted. Um, for instance, Meth went with Def Jam. Rhea stayed with Loud. Ghost went with Sony. Giza went with uh, Geffen Records. Um, but yet all these different labels still put Raza Sharp Records on the credits. And it was pretty much a huge... Wu-Tang was, it was a huge financial movement for rap stars. Hmm. Um, which, which wow yeah very fascinating. I did not know that they they, uh, they revolutionized the whole you know how they you know how they did all that and it's it's just it's fascinating now um, there are a couple documentaries um, there is one called Wu Tang Revealed and I believe it says uh, here Giza uh, G Z A or Giza whatever it is it's a he directed the documentary um, he promises to show behind the scenes of the clan. Um, that have yet to be revealed. Mm-hmm. I believe this one is not. Uh, I think this one is not out yet. I could be wrong. So we'll just we'll just kind of go with it. It's called the Wu Tang Revealed. The next Wu Tang one, Revealed. That's okay. Write that one down. Yeah, I got, that's what I was saying. I gotta write this shit down. <laughs> so the next one is. Um, uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Gerald Barkley, he directed the Wu-Tang documentary uh, entitled Wu, the Story of the Wu-Tang Clan. Like mm-hmm. I said, I'm, I'm saying it again, the title is Wu, the Story of the Wu-Tang Clan. And it's premiered on uh, BET around November of 2008. Um, okay. It was also released on DVD that same, you know, that same month. Um... Let's see what we got here. 
see, oh, another one, and this is uh, this one is titled the Wu Tang Saga. It's uh, starring uh, Capadonna and featuring footage of the clan dating back to the early '90s through the most recent tours. And this was released around February of 2010. Now, there's a lot more information here about the different albums, some of the members, and some of the, you know, different things they did, contracts and everything. And it's really, you guys can look that up on your own. It's kind of boring at that point. <laughs> now, I, uh, I'm going to go over a few of the members here. Um, they get a list. And uh, Raza, R-Z-A, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. His actual name is Robert Fitzgerald Diggs. He was born in 1969. He's pretty much like the de facto leader of the group. Okay. Then you have Gaz, or Giza, G-Z-A. God knows if I pronounced that right. Probably didn't. Gariza, the Giza. Gary Grice, born in 1966. <sighs> Dang. Mm-hmm. He's actually considered, of the whole group, probably the most experienced, being the fact that he started rapping in 1976. That's crazy, you know? So he was only six years old, or ten years old when he started rapping. Yeah. That is pretty nuts. That's nuts, yeah. The next one is... At ten years old, I'm pretty sure I still thought girls had cooties and shit. Yeah. This next one is probably the most uh, recognized and famous of the members, and also most controversial as well. This is Old Dirty Bastard. Yeah. Born in 1968, and he died in 2004. His name was Russell Tyrone Jones. Um, ODB. Very eccentric and erratic member of the group. Uh, very he was the one who took a limousine here. to pick up his uh, unemployment check. I, <laughs> I did not he hear did. this. He did. He did that shit on MTV, man. Oh, God. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Really? Oh my God! That's <laughs> that, <laughs> not surprised. Right. With old dirty bat, yeah, I'm not surprised. But like I said, his real name Russell Tyrone Jones, from born, you know, his year born '68, died in 2004. Um, the next gentleman, you know, quite well known is the Method Man. Also, his real name is Clifford Smith, born in 1971. He was actually one of the youngest members of the clan. Um, let's see here. The next gentleman is uh, Ray Kwan, R-A-E-K-W-O-N. The uh, His real name is Corey Woods. He was born in 1970. Um, I didn't know they were this old. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and Ray Kwan, or Corey Woods, he is a, uh, um, very good at cooking cocaine into crack rock. <laughs> is that like, is it? Is that on his LinkedIn profile? Probably. Is that resume Who knows? worthy? I, I, you know what? I. I... <laughs> oh man. Okay. All right. Yeah. Great. <clears throat> facts you didn't. Toilet facts you didn't know. Um, Ghostface Killer, also known as Dennis Coles, is his real name. Was born in 1970. Um, he had a very energetic, abstract, and emotional style of uh, rapping. Then you have uh, Inspector Deck, which is also known, or real name, Jason Hunter, uh, as well, born 1970. Um, he used a lot of metaphors and uh, complicated rhyme schemes when as a rap. Let's see here. Then you had You God, 
which the uh, real name is Lamont Jody Hawkins, also born in 1970, as brought half of them. Um, <laughs> he was also one of the founding members. And uh, Master Killer was born with the name Elgin Turner. Born Elgin. in Elgin. E L G I N. Elgin. 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 Yeah, whatever. He was born in 1969. Uh huh. Um, and the last gentleman I have on this list is uh, Cappadonna. Um, the original, his uh, real name is Daryl Hill. Also born in 1969. So pretty much a majority of the group is born like either 1969 or 1970. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I did not know they were that old or of that age. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is pretty crazy. That is. Um let's see, lyrics. Let's uh, do a little short thing about the <laughs> lyrics. Um the Wu Tang clan slang. Is a long been a staple of their music, where members would blend five percenter terms, uh, kung fu oriental words, and a comic book and street terms to create their own nicknames for actions, people, places, and things, such as christening Staten Island as Shaolin Land, and money as cream. Um, hmm. Raza noted in the Wu Tang manual that uh, Raekwon was the resident slang master of a great deal. The slang that was used by the group. Um, they have an old video games. They also have clothing line. Um, there is a lot of uh, controversy with them about G-Unit and Notorious B.I.G. Uh, Sean Combs, Mace, Joe Budden. I'm not going to get into details of those because there's quite an extensive list of it. <laughs> and i got about 10 minutes left to get to the last part. Okay. Um... Now, this is an article here. I'm going to just talk about a few little, you know, spurts of it. Um, it's called, uh, it's, um, you look at the Google, Wu-Tang Clan and the East Asian Culture Influences on Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned before, the year was 1993. The music scene was dominate. Huh? Go ahead. Did you say something? No, I said, uh-huh. Um, the music scene was. Yeah, I said, uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> so the music scene was dominated by the sounds of class, classic rock and newer alternative groups such as Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, and Annoying Sounds by Gravy. Uh, hip-hop had seen critical and commercial success in the beginning of the year with the release of Dr. Dre's The Chronic. Now, however, it was November 9th, 1993, that straight from the slums of Shaolin, or Staten Island, a fraternal group of rappers emerged that would change the landscape of not only rap, but the music industry as well. Um, the method in which the Wu-Tang Clan, more specifically the head honcho of the group, Robert Diggs, a.k.a. Raza, went about managing record label contracts and releases that were unprecedented... Uh, unpresent- Excuse me. Hold on. I got a Garrett Gask. Okay. Okay. Um, Pretty much the way he handled the the record labor's contract, it was first time in history. Like, no... um, It was was a way that no one had seen before. And it Mm -hmm. it changed the way contracts and everything were done in the hip-hop and rap industry. And uh, also outside of it. Um, now, what made Enter the Wu-Tang such a critical, successful, and uh, 
um, groundbreaking album was the mixture of cultures, uh, specifically East Asian and African American culture, to create a unique sounding album. Uh, the Wu-Tang Clan drew inspiration from a plethora of sources, including their use of all things comic book, science fiction, kung fu, and Nation of Islam. Um, this was while, while resulted in the creation of perhaps one of the most um, integrated his, histories in American music. It's just, you know, that, that, the... They're amazing, amazing musicians. Yes, very much I'm not, so. I'm not the biggest fan of their music, but it's catchy as hell, and I do. When it comes on, I always find myself like bopping to it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, they're they're great. I'm I'm I've got quite a few of them on my uh, uh, playlist on Spotify. Um, now their album was kind of combining the gritty day to day life of poverty in Staten Island with the fantastical, exuberating elements of martial arts. Um, something to kind of caveat that is if you. You know, if you notice, like a lot of the um, inner city um, poverty's very low income, you know, areas with families that could not afford a, a cable or whatever. And one thing that was always on your basic ear bunny, you know, antenna channels where you got the actual knobs you have to turn is the martial, the uh, classic martial arts movies and. Saturday afternoons, I think, and that's I the thing it. that was pretty much that was really big in the in the areas of poverty and everything, and even elsewhere outside. But that's you know a lot how the Wu Tang Clan of how all of them kind of uh, what they took from the growing up because they loved it. That was that was their thing. They loved watching the movies. Um, I used to have a ton of DVDs on them, and I think they were part of a bit large bunch that I gave away. I can't remember. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you see this, it, the, there, there is a correlation with the, the poverty, the African-American people in the inner city and, you know, the old classic martial arts and Wu-Tang Clan was really the first people to bring that out in the open, you know, and, and take it into their style of, you know, music and in lyrics and it's just, it's fascinating, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's just, I fucking love it. It is fairly amazing. Yeah. Let's see here. Um, now, their first album, Enter the Wu or uh, Into the Wu Tang, Thirty Six Chambers. Um, <clears throat> it has got uh, twelve songs on the album, and it was uh, meant to offer a perspective of life in Staten Island, New York, with the help of various external sources of mythical inspiration, applying the abstract to concrete life. Um, the album revolved around Kung Fu, specifically Kung Fu movies. More specifically, the Wu-Tang Clan got the title of their album through the martial arts film uh, Shaolin and Wu-Tang. Um, now, while the word clan signifies a close group of people with similar interests, the word Wu-Tang has its origins embedded in ancient Chinese history and geography. Um... As well as the modern mm -hmm. interpretation offered by the group itself, the word Wu-Tang originates from Wu-Dang, the Taoist holy mountain located in central China, in the uh, Hubei province. That's a H-U-B-E-I province. Um, the word also is the name of the Emperor Yongli's Ming Purple Imperial City, which was constructed during the time or period of 1404 and 1412, or 20. And uh, by referring to the name of a holy mountain, the title "Enter the Wu Tang" significance or significifies, excuse me, <clears throat> signifies, signif 
Bethel. Signifies. Yes, yes. Um, I'm stumbling here. Signifies the entrance to a holy location. Uh, another perspective on the Wu-Tang, or the word Wu-Tang, is offered by group member Method Man. And he notes that a sword cutting through air molecules results in a Wu sound. And the Tang sound effect is the result of contact made with a shield. Okay. Um, <clears throat> now, the first song of the rap album is arguably... Wait a minute, wait a minute, which, which one is this? This one is... The first song of the uh, rap album was arguably, most, or arguably more, more significant than any other song on the album. Immediately, it shapes your opinion on the album as a whole and affects your mindset going into the remainder of the album. So pretty mm-hmm. much, you know, when you turn it on, it just it just throws it, it throws it in your face, and you, yeah. you you know you're hooked. You're just like okay, and it just it it sets the tone for every song for the rest of the song after that. Um, <clears throat> classic albums start from the first thing the listener hears, which is why the beginning of the first song in, of the Enter the Wu Tang Thirty Six Chambers is Bring the Ruckus. Um, it's, it's very important how, you know, why they did this. It's, it's a, uh, consider one is considered instant classic, but, uh, um, okay. You know what? We'll just skip that part. Uh, the first, I, I didn't highlight everything and I got part of it that the ink did on me. Um, the first voice heard on the album is not a member of the group or even a musician. It's actually dialogue from the Kung Fu movie Shaolin vs. Wu-Tang, which I'll, I'll, uh, I'll throw that here on the end of uh, I'll throw that on the end of uh, our podcast. Just okay. just that small part because you know if I throw the whole song I might get sued. I don't want <laughs> yeah, to get will. sued. Hopefully I don't get sued for the small part. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> I'll have Wu Tang Clan coming after me and the guys that made the movie. <clears throat> so uh, Shaolin, it is a word, location, and motif that commonly occurs throughout the entire album. So it's only fitting the album begins with the word. Shaolin offers a parallel between the world of the Wu-Tang Clan's home of Staten Island and the land of the Far East. Now, while this is quite literally the name of many monasteries in China, Shaolin is where the Wu-Tang Clan hails from. A um, Basically like an alternate reality to the gritty poverty of Staten Island. That's okay. why, like when I mentioned before about how they, were, uh, they did a lot of slang in different terms... And, you know, Staten Island, they consider Shaolin. Because they, they take the correlation of Shaolin back, way back, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And, you know, the, the correlation between the poverty and everything, the fighting and all. And that's, you know, so they, they really threw in a correlation between that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> see here. Do, 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 do. Now, there's a common characteristic in martial arts culture, important... The, is the importance of fraternity and loyalty between groups of people, especially clans. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, there's a major part of the Wu-Tang Clan's charisma and functioning as a t- uh, tightly knit group that's there to consider their identification, you know, their their uh, mm-hmm. um, their, their culture. Um, mm-hmm. Filled with loyal clans, rival schools and such. Um, they, they've... Uh, Wu Tang is also considered more of just more than just a, a clan, more so like a brotherhood of musicians um, that that have become beyond being close. Um, yeah, they've got like a school of styles, um, such as aspect of martial arts has a school of different styles, 
Um, and that's also what makes the song Bring the Ruckus, the raw, powerful, in-your-face song it is. Um, the inter, um, the entire movie Shaolin in Wu-Tang is it's pretty much a, a movie like... Um, it's a movie that was stated before the laid out the therm the theramatic structure that resolving around two rival clans of the Shaolin and the Wu-Tang who square off against each other in a battle of the death. Um, uh, Raza quoted as saying that he was recording the chorus um, and was calling out, calling out all of his challengers. So pretty much, you know, it's it's like in the movies, you have one guy from one style and a hero from like another style or a bad guy, whatever you want, and he's calling the other guys out, you know. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. And that was a long, that was something they did around this uh, 15, 14, 15, and 1600s. You know, that was something that they did a lot. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, you know, if you look at Raza, he, that's what he did with, you know, the music and everything. He was calling out other, you know, other rappers and other groups and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> see, uh, the parallel in the rap world is the Wu-Tang Clan effectively challenging other rap and rap groups of the time to step their rapping up and try to compete with the Wu-Tang Clan. So, I mean, it, it, like, it wasn't necessarily like, you know, hey, you know, like, like a fight. It was pretty much like, hey, you know, we're a group. You guys are a group. Let's see what you can do. Let, let's, you know, we we're, get on our level. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Something yeah. like that. Not, not exactly like, you know, talking shit. I mean, you kind of are, but in a, you know, a friendly type of way. Okay. Um, now, the parallels between the real world of Staten Island and the land of the Far East of Shaolin continue into the verses um, of this song, Bring the, uh, Bring the Ruckus. The uh, um, Gone are the swords, the fighting styles, the techniques of the Shaolin way. Instead, the listener is treated to a rugged world full of glock bursts as well as the PLO-style approaches to defeat the rival crews in the urban jungle of Staten Island. Um, the reference of the PLO uh, further emphasizes the cohesiveness of the group and their self-perspective as a band of brothers. The style and weapons are different, but they have the same sense of loyalty and strength as a crew, as well as a desire to eradicate rivals um, that is, is still there. The mm -hmm. Shaolin and Staten Island are night and day in terms of you know aesthetic and literal similarities. However, the Wu-Tang Clan still manages to bring their surroundings to life while still giving off the appearance and way of martial arts crew from the Far East. Um, the Wu-Tang Clan Ain't Nothing to Fuck With captures... That's another song I really like. It captures the mixture of East and West like few songs have ever had. Um, I, it does. I mean, there's n no other... Anybody else out there, songs have captured like uh, the song Wu-Tang Clan Ain't Nothing to Fuck With. Um, <clears throat> I like that song. <laughs> you said it with such relish. Yes, yes. I'm, I, I'm relishing in relishment. Yeah. Let's relish, relish on. And relishment. Yeah, let's, let's relish on. Um, <clears throat> I lost my place. Oh, my God. Basically, the song it captures the mixture of East and West, like few songs ever have, like I mentioned. Now, similar content and structure, Bring to Ruckus is another flawless demonstration of Wu-Tang's style. The crew at its loudest and most aggressive, letting everyone know they are f that they are, forced not to, they are forced not to be reckoned with, while at the same time being a full-out assault on any competitors. You know, like I said, this is like all good, like tough big brother type or whatever you want to call it. Not actual, you know, 
you suck, I'm gonna kill you type thing. But you know, tough love. That's this. If you want to boil it down, it's tough love. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the particulars. Oh wait, which one was it? Oh yeah, bring the ruckus. The particular song. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. A wolf killing tang ain't nothing to fuck with. That song begins with the head honcho of the group Raza speaking the words tiger style. And in the Kung Fu of Shaolin, China, there are five animals that equate to five distinct fighting styles. You have the tiger style, otherwise known as the black tiger fist, or Hei Hu Kwan. It is a fighting style that is meant to symbolize strength and power. Uh, the aggression and boldness of the Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with embodied the characteristics of a tiger-style kung fu, uh, demonstrating how kung fu inspired not only the lyrics, but the direction of the entire song. Now, not only is the, aggress the aggression heard in the lyrics, and also in the tone of the rappers delivering the voice, the production of the song itself is stark and brutal. Uh, the beat is composed of a thumping bass line with drums that match the rush, as well as the blunt nature of the song. Um, Raza calls upon the martial arts weapons of ancient Chinese dynasties to keep his point across, um, declaring that like a fatal flying guillotine chops off your fucking head. Um, the flying guillotine is like is a legendary. <laughs> it's a well, I mean, it's it's a style. It's a legendary kung fu weapon that emerged during the the Qing Dynasty. Um, and Raza's choice of ancient Chinese weapons over something more. Uh, common in real life, such as a gun, just shows how engrossed and fascinated the Wu Tang Clan is with kung fu culture. So mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, that those movies and the culture is really huge with the band. Mm. Um, and another thing too is like I mentioned some of the, the names of the guys, the real names, and also nicknames. Uh, the nickname was really a critical part of the Wu Tang Clan. Um, pretty much every member had multiple nicknames. Um, Let's see here. Some of them carry their nicknames further and turn it kind of into an alter ego. You know, it's, okay. it's uh, just kind of like put it really out there. Um, and I'm going to talk one in particular. Um, like Raza, for instance, he talks about old dirty bastard's name. And uh, he, he's a <laughs> dude. He's um, he, he, when it comes to old dirty bastard in a Kung Fu movies. And every Kung Fu movie is always the dirty bastard, the dirty rat, someone who no matter what he does, you know, he always does wrong. Or even when he does right, his intent, his intent is to do wrong. And that's pretty much old dirty bastard in real life. Um, the dude has 16 nicknames. <laughs> Wait, would you like me to go over all 16? You can give me a few. I don't give a shit what all 16 okay, are. <laughs> you know, we're not going to do that. But this, yes, this is the conclusion to Wu-Tang. We have talked about the dance, the martial arts style, and the band. And also how the influence, the band, is influenced by the martial arts style. And how the band and martial arts correlates with, you know, inner city youth and, you know, young men during, around that time. How do you have 16 nicknames? What if somebody shouting one of them and you don't know, like, it's just not clicking that that's you? I, I don't you know. I Probably growing up, and it's like, you know, you get Because I had multiple nicknames. My first one was Super Dave. Uh-huh. Because, obviously, my first name, you know, they used, the, they used Dave. Yeah. And then uh, Super, because I used to have a, a Superman t-shirt with this logo. And I had a, a rain jacket 
that went down to uh, my thigh or my shins, and it was light blue, and it had the Superman symbol on the back. And there was the character Super Dave Osborne. Exactly, and I, they probably actually got it from that more than likely, because knowing how I am, um, <laughs> but I was young at the time. I got biscuits while I was in the military because of my ass. I had a nice pair of biscuits, put it that way. <laughs> um, not because, not the cracker, like the British consider biscuits is, is, is a cracker. No, not a like cookie. that. Although, although I am a cracker, I am white. Actually, no, I've transcended beyond white. Yes. I am almost... Translucent. I am almost translucent. I'm pretty sure I, I'm going to get to the point to where I'll actually be hired by colleges for their anatomy classes. <laughs> Looking like one of them little baby stingrays that look like ravioli. You can see their insides and shit. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So, um, but yeah, uh, what, what was I even talking about? I totally forgot all this shit. <laughs> uh. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, 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 I definitely enjoyed looking this one up. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, and this that was very cool. This was just a very little bit of the stuff that I looked up, but yet it's quite a. And I, I learned a lot of stuff on here I had no clue about. And I think it's pretty cool. Mm. I did not know there was a Wu Tang dance, even though that yeah, has right? apparently no relation to the band. But <laughs> still, um, when no one's looking, I'm going to try to do the dance. Are you really? Probably. Then videotape it and send no. it. <laughs> Not gonna happen. Um, we we are actually about it to, at a time. Oh, okay. We've gone <laughs> over a few minutes, which is fine. Huh. Okay, folks. Um, listen, it is uh, December. Um, our time is second. Second, as we are recording, you may not hear this. If you do catch it early, it'll be on the third, which is fine. It's still December, unless you hear it from the year. That's right. Nine months later, then it's not December. You know, <laughs> six months later, it's not December. Six That's weeks right. later, not December. Okay, folks. Even uh, even thirty days later, not December. Exactly. Thirty three. It'll be January. Yeah. That's right. It will be. Okay, folks. Yes, sir. Uh, as our normal, uh, do something nice for somebody. Be humble and don't be a douchebag. Don't be a douchebag, brother. Bye bye. Bye. Bye, nipples. Mm.